0: You
1: are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.
2: Rob, what's good, homie?
1: Man, just, uh, you know, not a whole lot of interesting things going on, Mike. Just staying inside and uh, trying uh, to stay away from the Rona. What's good with you, man. What's happening?
2: Yeah, same. You know, I mean, shit's crazy right now. You know, what else can you say? Uh, mm. Sort of a new normal in our world, you know, and uh, obviously we all hope to uh, get this defeated and uh, get it under control and get back to normal as you know soon as possible. A lot of things still up in the air, obviously, Rob. But you know, obviously, this podcast is supposed to be uh, a break for the people.
1: Yes, Rob. Yeah, I mean, you know, get them out of their everyday lives. You know, maybe listen to us when you're driving or when you're at work. Uh, you know, so you always have, uh, your mind on bowling and not, uh, what's going on in your, uh, in the real world, which is shitty right now. Uh, I just got an email last night saying that there is a, uh, confirmed case in my uh, condo building. So, uh, that's pretty scary. Um, and in, in the fact where I kind of accepted it, where I would imagine we're all going to get it somewhere down the line, um we just hopefully get it later than earlier so that there's better treatment and vaccines. So, uh, yeah, that's a little bit scary. Uh, and I don't have any like protection or masks or anything like that. So, um, I have a friend who's going to be sending me like an emergency care package who, uh, like manages a target. So anyway, yeah. Um, not a lot going on in the bowling world. Uh, so, you know, we're going to drop a uh, a great interview tonight, Mike, and maybe uh talk a little bit vintage bowling. What do you think?
2: Yeah, we're definitely going to uh <clears throat> keep the conversation light, hopefully, and uh give the people something to entertain themselves. Yeah, I think the interview that we have tonight is the monks amongst the best we've uh, we've done, period. Um, you know, quite quite, quite the guest uh for us, so yeah really uh really excited to put that out and let the people hear it um you know we've been doing a lot of work rob you know we we got a lot in store for the people you know I'll say that there's uh a lot of a lot of people jumping into the bowling uh podcast slash media game right now rob you know you and i you and I text a lot about it uh off the air uh when we see various things pop up but you know listen uh if you're gonna if you're gonna rock with us. Yeah, you better bring your A game, baby, because uh, the, the the material we put out there—I uh, don't know—it's got a different slant to it. So uh, we come with that different vibe. But uh, yeah, tonight <laughs> is no exception to that. And uh, yeah, I'm
1: I'm excited, Rob. Here's the thing, though, and this is what what separates us. And look, and you know, when you send me those, I don't really pay a whole lot of attention to what other people tell, are doing out there. Tell them, Rob. Tell them why you're mad. Son. Tell Yeah. <laughs> Here's the thing, Mike. We're the only podcast out there right now that doesn't have an agenda. We don't have an agenda. We're not lined up with anybody. So we don't have to watch what we say. We don't have to care who we piss off. Um, we're not in this podcast industry or whatever, the game, right? We're not in it to piss people off. We're not in it to make enemies, right? We're not. We're, we're here to say, tell the truth and entertain. And and set opinions and my opinions might sometimes be a little bit off the wall, but that's what they're, that's why they're opinions, Mike. Um, uh, But as long as we're entertaining people and people are enjoying listening to it, they're laughing and maybe getting a little bit of a, you know, fun bowling facts and some fun bowling news, then, you know, I'm, I'm with it. So I'm not here to like be some kind of, like news reporter and and I'm gonna leave leave that to the to the professionals. I'm here to entertain and I'm here to give opinions. And, and that's kinda my I guess my piece, Mike.
2: Yeah, word up. So uh so going with our uh our guests tonight, you know, we're 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 kinda going down uh and I'm not I'm not gonna say old school but like, you know, definitely a little bit uh you know, not not current, right? I would say for our, our uh our, our guests tonight. Um so Rob, you, you and I wanted to do uh, a flat ten list for the people, especially, you know, during this time when there's not a lot of entertainment sports wise on TV. People might be wanting to go back and watch previous PBA shows. And I know, you know, Flow Bowling and the PBA, F S one, you know, too, they've been broadcasting some of the <laughs> rebroadcasting some of the shows and tournaments and stuff, and that's cool. But a lot of that stuff is very recent. You know, and obviously, like, it's going to be fresh in your memory. So, Rob, you, you and I were, were thinking about some older shows, yes, that that strike us as some of the best that we remember from our, our younger
1: days of watching the PVA Tour. Mm, another flat 10 to kick your ass at, Mike, huh? I mean, I don't really uh, know if I have another ass kicking in me, but you know what? Challenge accepted, yeah, I would love to talk about my top uh top five favorite shows growing up, uh but this one's more of a not a, a a competition it's more of a just opinion and and we like different shows for different reasons uh so uh yeah, I would love to get this so uh let's let, let's roll you want to do it right now let's do it uh
2: to be clear you're the only person who believes that. So go ahead. You can hit it. But just okay. be clear, you're the only person who believes that. Well, right. we went flat ten. Okay, and you people, you know how this works. Uh Rob and I both get five slots on a top ten list. And uh the topic tonight is, you know, not only nostalgic from from to go in line with the theme of our guest tonight somewhat, and uh but really, Rob, a lot of these uh, that we're going to mention, people could really go back and rewatch, and it would be worth their time. W- would you agree with that?
1: Oh yeah, I mean, YouTube is a wonderful platform to go and research a lot of old bowling shows. Uh, there's also some good Facebook groups you could follow too that uh, play some old old bowling shows. Uh, but definitely love nostalgia, Mike. I've been known to obsess over the '80s and '90s, and it's not just movies and music but bowling cuz to me okay. bowling was the best
2: so. all right so here here were the uh the, the stipulations we're giving our top 5 then right each five slots each uh top 5 shows PBA shows but this is pre 2000 okay so the shows have to be from 1999 or prior
1: okay Perfect. Do you want to go roll or you want me to start?
2: Uh go ahead. You can go first this time.
1: Alright. My first show, I wish I had some like music where like the nostalgia music, you know, comes on. Uh my first show is the 90, 1991 Fair Lane's Open. Uh Mr. Dell Ballard needed seven pins to win to beat Pete Weber and threw it in the gutter. And if you go back and watch that show, it's heartbreaking. There's drama. Petey didn't even know how to, like, react when Del threw that gutter ball. And uh, it's it's just, man, I I just – watch that show makes me feel, like, just hurt for Del Ballard.
2: Okay. Uh, and I'm not going in any particular order here. I'm kind of just throwing them out. Uh my first show that I would put in my top five of you know, best shows to me that, that I remember pre-2000, uh, one, and this is kind of an obscure one, but uh, listen, I'm telling you, go watch it. Go check it out. Uh, the 1996 Rochester Open. Okay. I'm going to give you the guys on this show. Okay. Ernie Schlegel, Norm Duke, Walter Ray. Pete Weber. Chris Hooper was the was the fifth guy on the show. Not real familiar with him, but if you go and watch it you'll check it out. Uh, here's why this is a great show. I'm not going to say too much about it. I don't want to give spoilers here. But you will if you watch this show in the opening match uh, Pete Weber bowls Walter Ray and you will if you listen closely at the end of the show, at the end of the match Walter Ray, or I'm sorry, Pete Weber, after the after the announcers discussed during the match some of the struggles that Pete Weber was having at this time and some of the changes that he was trying to make to his game at this time, which included getting more under the ball, you will hear Pete Weber, if you listen closely, at the end of the game say, I just can't do it. I just can't do it. And I just, that, that blew me away in that show, and that show always... Uh, you know, struck me because it was like, wow, this is Pete Weber, and he's out there saying, and he was frustrated trying to do these new things and, and make these changes to a game. But again, Ernie Schlegel, Norm Duke, Walter Ray, Pete Weber, go check that out. 1996 Rochester Open, YouTube it. Uh, Rob, obviously I'm killing you already, but go ahead.
1: Uh, one of my favorite shows growing up, and, and this is one of my like greatest moments, just re- I remember watching this as a kid. And that's kind of how I did this list is just trying to remember really like what stuck out because, I mean, we used to watch bowling every Saturday afternoon and whenever yeah. else it platformed. Uh, Mike Albee, 1993 Wichita Open, bowled the second televised 300 game against David Ozio, 300 to 279. Mm-hmm. And, Mike, you remember that 10 frame Mike Al- after Mike Albee do that 12 shot? was like watching, like, Superman, like, do the impossible, like, as a kid, and I was 12 years old at that time, so watching a 300 game is pretty unbelievable on TV, so, yeah, that was one of my, uh, top five favorite shows.
2: Yeah, that was a sick match, that, 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 I mean, yeah, that match is, like, one of the best matches in PBA history, you know, gotta be top three, I mean, 279 to 300, and, uh, you know, two legends there, obviously. So, yeah, good, uh, good pick with that one. All right, my next one. Again, a little bit off the beaten path. That's the way I roll. Uh, this is kind of a personal one for me. But, again, I give this my stamp of approval to go on YouTube and check it out. And I'll bet a lot of people either haven't seen this show or aren't familiar with it or won't remember it. Uh, 1999, PBA put on an outdoor show in Bryant Park in New York City. Mm-hmm. And I, I was there. I was there. I went to the show. You can you can peep me in the crowd in the back with my uh, girlfriend at the time. No longer no longer associated. But uh, you can you can peep me there in the back in the crowd. And I'm just I'll just give you a few little pieces here. Uh, it was one of the first times that Rudy Revs made a show.
1: i was just about to say I was about to throw that out, Mike. I was just like okay. I knew Rudy made that show. Yeah, he was yeah, using and- a gator, right? A gator. No,
2: he was using a no. 3D offset hammer.
1: Oh, cuz I yeah. remember
2: he was, <laughs> my Gator. Remember that ball? <laughs> yeah, yeah, that was, was going to be another one of my points was that, you know, he uh he was using a a um uh, you know, a 3D offset hammer which we just discussed on a previous episode. Uh mm-hmm. Eric Forkel, Eric Forkel on that show, uh yeah. rocking some sunglasses. Yeah, uh yeah. Drew Perry <laughs> Drew Carey, who at the time was uh, was known for the Drew Carey show, was there. So really just odd shit going on on the show. But interesting. Go check that one out, 1999, Brian
1: Park. Go ahead, Rob. Yeah, I remember that. Uh, okay, so uh, I'm going to – my third favorite show. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. Uh <laughs> Sorry, Randy, if you're listening, uh, 1995 Tournament Players Championship, the dreaded, famous Stone A-Pin and Ernie Schlegel acting like an absolute asshole. And, Mike, I I know that there's uh, been – Randy's been on uh, our show, and he's been also quoted saying that he just can't believe that he didn't rip the guy's (laughs) throat out or punch him in his face at at that time. Uh, But, yeah, uh, I mean, how could you not put that moment Uh, in that show in a top five before 2000. I can't believe it. I can't believe it. (laughs) Love that shit. It's hilarious. Yeah.
2: Honestly, I don't think uh, I'll ever forget like where I was or what I was doing while I was watching that show. Uh, I had just finished bowling uh, league at Adams lanes and I was at uh, a friend of mine's house. His name was Jim Louie, and we would go after uh, bowling and watch bowling at his house and order pizza and eat food. It was a bunch of us. And, man, when that happened, like, the room just exploded. I mean, it just exploded. It was crazy. It was It was really one of the craziest sporting event outcomes that I remember from my youth of watching sports, you know. And, yeah, it was just uh, remarkable. Remarkable, huh? uh, ending there. Okay. So that's your third one. All right. Now, obviously I would have had that one on my list. I didn't put it on my list because I, you know, it's, it, yeah, you know, I knew you were going to mention it. So I left it off of mine. So I'll give my third one here. Uh, again, a little bit of a personal slant to this one, but if you go watch the show, you'll see what I'm saying. Uh, Rob, you you'll appreciate this, and anybody from our area really that grew up in our time will appreciate this. The Johnny Petraglia Open was always a huge event in our area, right? I mean, that it like it's not just for the PBA bowling, but just for bowlers in general. Oh,
1: dude, the Friday night, the Friday night of the final block of match play was my favorite. Thing to do as a kid to go there and watch like literally like I look forward to it like all year
2: yeah and, and and I agree and a lot of the times we would all be there together running around the building watching checking it out and it was really the only opportunity we got every year to talk to some pro bowlers and interact with pro bowlers and I remember a lot of guys who you know, would would stop and chat and, and give us some advice or, or talk bowling with us for a little while and, and and chop it up, which we greatly appreciated at that time. Um, so yeah, nineteen ninety seven, uh, I, I believe was the last Johnny Petraglia open. And uh that year, you know, I happened to get the okay to and Bill and Joe as well got the okay to take off of school on that Friday, Rob. Because if you remember, there were actually two match play blocks on Friday. There was one in the morning and one in the in you know early evening. And uh, we got the okay to take off and drive up and watch both blocks. And uh, I would have been about 17 at that time, so we were rolling on our own. And it was just, in general, a good time. And, uh, yeah, great tournament. I'll give you some of the guys on that show. You got uh, Steve Hoskins. You got... Uh, Amleto, Monicelli, you got Walter Ray, and you got Pete Weber, all on that show, including Tim Chris. And on that show, you got Pete Weber. Uh, uh, sorry, you got Walter Ray Williams throwing a quantum helix. Rob, you remember that ball? A lot awesome. of hype around that ball. That it was part part urethane, part resin. Yeah.
1: Oh yeah.
2: Right? I had that, so that gold strip. <laughs> yeah, the gold stripping it. So for all you young bulls, you want to see some bowling ball history. Go check that show. You'll see, you might see something you never seen before. So that would be my third one,
1: 1997. Johnny Petraglia Open. Go ahead, Rob. Uh, my second, um, and I put these in order for my like five to like one. Uh, my second favorite show, and this was way back in 1989, the 1989 bowling shootout with all the just the big names, um, you know, Earl Anthony, Marshall Holman, Lisa Wagner. I'm pretty sure Mark Roth was on that show, too. And uh, a young and very uh, uh, interesting-looking Chris Barnes as a a 19- or 18-year-old kid. But I remember, like, that's the first show I believe Chris Barnes made, or at least I remember him making. And I remember, like, this guy is bowling with, like, the Titans. Like, who is this kid? Like, you're bowling with Earl Anthony and Marshall Holman and Lisa Wagner. Like who is this kid? Like, how do you even like get that opportunity? And like, there was just so much like, like mystery, like mysterious, like of who this Chris Barnes person was. Um, and, uh, I just kind of just, that show sticks out to me just because of all these Titans got together in bold, um, on one show. And I, I don't know why, but it's one of my like favorite shows and yeah. So,
2: yeah. Um, and, and he discussed that show. He gave us mm. some background on that show when he uh, did his first interview with us. So if you check out that show, go back and listen to that interview as well, and uh, you'll hear some background there. All right, Rob, let's get the next one out of the way, because I know we're both going to have this one. So I'll put it out. I'll put this one out there as my next to last. And then for the last one, I, I think that we'll probably have a difference there. Uh, 1996 flagship open. Oh, right. Bob Learn. Bob Learn Junior goes ham, son. Dude, that's okay. the hypest show
1: in the history of the PBA. I don't care what
2: anyone <laughs> says to me. I, I got, I got one. But Rob, I got one problem with that show. All right. And listen, you know, you know that I, um, I, I'm bowling historian. I consider myself to be, you know, have a wealth of knowledge when it comes to bowling history. And Rob, that show left a little bit of a bad taste in my mouth after it was over okay and the reason the reason if people remember and I'm not hating let me be clear I am not hating here all right I'm just trying to have an honest discussion about what happened on this show but rob for what I believe is the only time in PBA history okay bob learn junior was given a mulligan he was he was given a mulligan on that
1: show, Rob. I honestly, you gotta go. You got I, I don't remember that. I don't. So in the happened? match
2: against, in the match against, I believe it was against Parker Bone. He he went up and he shot a oh. ten pin.
1: Yeah, I remember he misses that. It. <laughs> he misses it. Misses uh-huh. it.
2: Yeah. And something happened in, in the crowd or with the TV set or something where he argued that he should be able to reshoot that that spare,
1: mm, and they,
2: they allowed him to reshoot the spare, Ugh. you know and and that just yeah, listen, it was a great show. It was amazing. It was absolutely amazing. I mean, one of the best performances you'll ever see, obviously. If you haven't seen yeah. that show, you're missing Bowling History, but it's best, uh, no. the hype show too. I- I got to put it out there though, Rob, you know, I got to put it out there that like the Mulligan left a bad taste in my mouth over that show.
0: Yeah. You know, I don't
2: think that's ever been done before. I don't think it's ever been done since. And yeah, you know, I just, I, I, I'm i not so sure that it was, that it was appropriate.
1: Yeah. I actually remember that now that you say it, uh, I, that wouldn't happen this day and age he misses it. He's done. He ain't given nobody any mulligans anymore. Um, the, the, the crowd, the 300 in his hometown in like, in like a, when the stadium believe the Erie stadium was the first ever bowling stadium. And I think that was like 94. I think it first was introduced. Uh, dude, Bob learn in his hometown in a, in a crazy arena environment doing what he did. I mean, shit, Mike, I I want to watch that show. It's so good. If you haven't watched that show, people, you need to turn that on and watch it and 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 understand like why I love that show so much. You know. So anyway, yeah, I think that's a good uh, a good list. Um, Mike, any any other? Uh, I think because that to me that was my number one. So like my list is done. Uh,
2: All right, but we, we we both have one left. We both have one left.
1: Do we? I okay. get that
2: one. I get that one out of the way. Okay. Yeah, I get that one out of the way because I knew we were both going to have it, and you know it can't be number one to me because of the mulligan. Um, you know, it just can't. It just can't be. If I'm Parker Bone, I'm so pissed off about that. <laughs> you know, of course it's Parker Bone. So he's the nicest guy ever. So he to say anything. If it was most other guys, they would have been out of their mind, crazy about a mulligan being given in a, in any situation like that. I mean, my goodness! Oh, it's crazy. All right, go ahead,
1: Rob. What's your last one? You know, and it's funny because I really tried to do some research to find out what tournament this was, Mike. And I just, for some reason, on the internet, I couldn't find it. So, if any listeners listen to this and they want to hit hit us up on uh, on Twitter or Facebook and let me know, uh, it was the, the it was the first ever televised. Um, Seven ten split uh, conversion by Mark Roth in nineteen eighty, uh, and I think that was even more of a like. And I keep in mind I wasn't born yet, Mike. So this is something like I watched. I obviously growing up as a kid, um, we didn't have, of course, back then or YouTube or anything. So every once in a while they would play it on TV, like a replay it when someone left the seven ten, right? So uh, to me, like watching a 710 being made on TV was just as crazy as watching a 300 at that time in the in the 80s and 90s. So, yeah, that was my uh one of my top moments, but it doesn't beat the flagship open though, Mike. That whole show was fucking amazing.
2: Okay. Uh last one on my list uh has a little bit of a sad twinge to it, but I still think it was just a uh, great show and uh, a monumental show obviously for Bowling in general, you know, even though even though it was a negative, and, and just the way things worked out were just, you know, eerily coincidental, and uh, yeah, just all the all the pomp, the, the extras, I guess you could say, within this show, but that would be the final show on ABC in 1997, uh, where in the final match, in the final show on ABC, uh, with Bo Burton and Chris Schenkel announcing and And really announcing through tears for for most of the show uh doesn't Pete Weber uh meet Walter Ray in the final i mean what what more uh coincidental drama could you ask for than on the last show on a b c after all these years and you know bowling kind of having to admit that it was on the downtrend. Uh, you know you have these two icons of the game, even at that time uh facing off against each other in the final match so i uh, won't won't talk about the result there if you want to go watch it and perhaps you haven't seen it but uh Rob that caps up our flat ten list of great shows from our bowling memory uh pre nineteen ninety nine and uh, obviously people you can uh you can email Rob and, and let them know that uh that I'm opt this shit. So, go ahead, Rob. Hit it up.
1: But we went flat 10. All right, Rob. I I want to throw out some real quick. Yeah, real quick. Uh, I like the listeners or people out there who listen to hit us up uh, and let let us know your favorite shows and moments uh, when you guys were growing up. Um, cause I would love to be able to go watch some, uh, maybe some shows, Mike, that I don't remember, or, you know, maybe haven't seen before, uh, which is probably unlikely. I just don't remember it, but yeah, hit us up. Let us know what you guys think and what your favorite shows are. I would love to maybe got a lot of downtime to watch some stuff. So, uh, you know, uh, like, let us know.
2: Dig deep though. People dig deep. You ain't <laughs> dealing with some bowling amateurs over here. All right. Don't be coming to us and giving us some, giving us some wacko recommendations that we got to air you out on social media for. Okay. If you're coming to us with a recommendation, come, come proper. All right. Just want to say that. All right, Rob, we're going to do what we do. We're going to keep it moving for the people. Uh, We got an all-time interview here.
1: Yo, mop. We got the, we got the, the King mop. Uh, I'm, you know, excited for this interview, Mike, uh, just in the fact where uh, I have a lot of history with uh, our next guest, uh, Patrick Allen.
2: All right, so let's do it. All right, Rob. So when, when we started this podcast, uh, and we've talked about this before, but you and I sat down and we kind of came up with a, a list of the the bowlers that we most would want to interview while doing this podcast. Right. And, uh, and, and our, our guest, uh, tonight is, is, was one of the top people on that list. Am I, am I telling the
1: truth here, Rob? Absolutely. Uh, we came up with this list and we wanted to talk to some of the, the most, I'd say biggest personalities in bowling today and, uh, you know when we were growing up as well, and uh, this you know uh, this gentleman that we're going to interview, uh, Patrick Allen, is m- by far one of my favorite bowlers. Um, just in one in the fact where I grew up watching him, uh, not on TV, but actually in uh, a league out in Long Island when I was a kid, and uh, I got kind of got to see him go from being you know one of a, a New York legend to a PBA you know hall of famers so it's kind of a a, a great interview i think because of just the history that he he brings and his personality and and character as well
2: yeah and uh there are not too many bowlers out there rob that really don't need to be identified by anything other than a couple letters but when you say pa you know everybody in the bowling world knows who you're talking about right there's there's no mistaking uh who that is and, and who, who we're referring to. As you referenced, PBA Hall of Famer. Rob, we got to ask him because uh, there's some discrepancy about number of titles here. It could be 13 with two majors. It could be 14 with two majors. We're going to ask about that right away. But uh, we're, we're thrilled to welcome him on the show for the first time, uh, Mr. Patrick Allen. Mop, how you doing?
0: Hey man, it's you, you guys are getting really good at this thing, man, with uh all the uh, <laughs> all the smoke you were blowing. It was pretty impressive there on the intro. Thank you, man.
2: Oh no, no, no. The, the <laughs> man is humble. You know, uh we respect our PBA Hall of Famers around here. And uh, you know, we, we definitely have a history for the game. Uh so yeah, no no smoke blowing there. All all <laughs> go check it out. Go check it out on the PBA bio site. So let's ask you first, why is there an asterisk next to the number of titles you have? Do you know? What is is it? Is it fourteen? Uh, or
0: is the, it only reason why, the only reason I could think that is because um, the last tournament that I had bowled on television was the PBA. Uh, it was the Regional Players Championship in 2015. And I guess I was getting credited for a title and then I was not getting credited for a, a title. So I think that's probably what the discrepancy is. But as far as I know, it's thirteen titles. That that one didn't count as an actual national title. Okay. Hey
1: Mike, right, remember Mike? Remember last time we uh, we um, the sweep the Rack podcast wanted a title to be given. You Remember what happened last time, Mike? It, the PBA came back and gave to that title. So maybe we need to uh, start being a cheerleader and try to get PA his fourteen title.
0: I would be thrilled yeah, look- to get off that un- unlucky number thirteen. Trust me.
2: Alright, we'll we'll talk off the air. We we have pulled like that. We pull like that. So yeah, we'll uh we'll you know we'll get on that. Um
0: then I'm glad I'm, I'm, glad I'm doing this interview.
2: <laughs> Let, let's let's get to the really uh important historical stuff here first. Uh are you the creator of the term mop?
0: Absolutely one hundred percent not.
2: Okay. When so, I
0: was bowling back in the 1980s and early 90s, there were a lot of guys around the Brooklyn area. Uh, obviously, you would know that Brooklyn, Rob, that, uh, used that, that, that used that word. I just happened to take it mainstream off of uh, the, the New York City area uh, action scene.
2: Okay, so then it is fair to say then, because I'm trying to give you credit here for something. So it is No, fair
0: absolutely to not.
2: That you popularized the term.
0: Yes, I did, with, without, without question yes but did that's i the- did i invent that word no no absolutely not
2: all right we have something in common then because there's a term there's a I'm from Philly and there's a Philadelphia term uh, john and and i have i give i give myself credit really for popularizing uh, that word throughout uh, other places of the of the country and spreading that around that's actually now in the dictionary rob that's another thing that we need to uh, rally for is mop in the in the dictionary in the
0: webster's dip- dictionary I will congratulate you on, on, on your term that you've made mainstream, although I've I've never heard it, so I will still congratulate you though. <laughs>
2: Thank you. Thank you. Let's be clear because we don't want our listeners, you know, screwing it up and using it in the wrong way and embarrassing themselves. So from the man who popular popularized the term, can we get the official definition or the instances in which mop
0: should be used? there isn't one and and there isn't one it's just it's just a word it's just like bro or dude or my friend it's just that's just what the word that they used back in that back in that day when people were bowling and people were bowling in New York and pure bowling action that's what they called people that's just what that's just what they did so
2: so, so you know, generally I, generally we're talking about a noun here
0: we're talking yeah about exactly
2: okay. Alright, but I've I've just, heard it Just used not one that adjective. you uh you use on the uh, floor, you know? Okay, alright. I've I've heard it used as an adjective though, as in someone saying, Oh man, I'm totally mopped. Correct. <laughs> you, you could use it, use it in,
0: in in that terminology too, yes. You're hundred percent correct. Okay, all
2: right. It
0: right.
2: has it has broad
0: it has broad meanings. It's funny
2: because it's kind of like the word John that I popularized. It's, it's very... General. Exactly. That, that word
0: that I've never heard. So that, that's definitely exactly correct.
2: It sounds <laughs> like, honestly, you could almost switch mop for John. So, you know, we could, we could you know, interchange <laughs> God, I hope with, not. You know, <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. We, we just want to be helpful. We want to make sure that our listeners, you know, have the correct uses and terminology. So folks out there, you're talking about a noun or an adjective and uh, feel free to go and, and spread, spread the gospel of the mop. You know, I actually, I'm going to say this. i would never said this on the podcast before. Rob might get mad at me. Rob's an 80s nerd, and everything is about the really? Yeah, so he wanted to name the podcast Sweep the Rack, like Sweep the Leg from Karate Kid, even though that has nothing to do with yep. bowling. What,
0: do you wanna actually, name it does. You can sweep the leg by when you're taking your swing back, almost having it hit your leg where you it's actually staying really close to your body. So sweeping the leg is actually in terms with, with bowling too. Trust me.
2: Exactly. Okay. All right. Virtue. Good point. Good save for Rob. Yes, Here's sir. what I wanted to name the podcast. Here's what I wanted to name the podcast. Okay. Totally, mop- totally mopped podcast. <laughs> okay.
0: We'll have, we'll have to get this uh, list from you one day too, of, of, of who these uh, interviews you were wanting from day one. Uh, I'm, I'm really interested on that one too cuz it did take me a while to to get here from what I've I've heard you you guys have been uh on this thing for a while now.
2: Well, well, you know,
0: the, you got
2: in certain instances you got to wait for the right timing. Timing's everything. Understood.
0: <laughs> with it with with nothing going on in in the bowling scene, this is definitely the time to have me on. Yes.
1: <laughs> All right, Rob, did you want to chime in? Well, one of my other People that I want on is Rudy Revs, and I still can't find them. So, uh, oh, yeah. I'll find them. Don't worry. Okay, see that, Mike. We could get we get Rudy Revs because you know I love We want to get into some of those stories, and I, I know you got some good ones. So, uh, oh Rudy. god, <laughs> not just Rudy. you know. There's there's a lot
0: of people that, that that are probably on your podcast who don't even know who Rudy Revs is. <laughs> I know. Yeah, that's why we're filming on.
1: We had Joe you Stillman. Guys had,
0: you guys had Mike Newman on? Really? Oh, Joe no, Stillman. No. Oh, Joe Stillman. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> another another legend.
2: <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, if you I, can get us I, Mike Newman, we'd like him too, though.
0: I don't know if I have access to him. <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure what side of the fence he's on, literally. <laughs>
2: uh, all right, so let's, let's be a little bit more serious here. We, we do like Fair to have serious conversation on, on the podcast as well. Uh, you know, we know your background a little bit, but just for our listeners who may not be as familiar, you know, give us, a, give us an intro of your bowling background. How did you get into the game? How did it become a big part of your life?
0: I'm going to say it was probably the same way it was for you guys. You know, we're all from the Northeast. Um the weather wasn't always uh, spectacular all year round. Bowling you could do all year round. Um, the junior tournament scene in our part of the country was also tremendous. Which once we got started bowling, that I would say probably for all of us, it was pretty much a done deal from that point. We wanted to be bowlers. Would you guys agree yeah. with that?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and I I, I want to clarify. I would assume you're you're referring to the JBT Junior Bowlers Tour Circuit. Oh.
0: Chuck Chapzano Chuck is a Chuck should be in the bowling hall of fame for what he's done for for bowling for all of the junior bowlers and getting people to you know get into the sport at such a young age and and just follow it across you know the northeast and then across the country and 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 taking it to the next level and taking it as far as you possibly could.
2: Yeah, I would I that would, that's actually a really uh really poignant uh, think, point. Think here. of all, uh, think of all the stuff. people
0: that, that have won a JBT um, that have either a PBA title or PBA Hall of Famers.
1: You know, it's it's funny because I, I, um, on Facebook a few months back, maybe it's probably six months or eight months ago, I believe it was actually Chuck Pisano Jr. made a Facebook post, or it was Mark Finer, one of the two, wanted to name every JBT bowler that had a JBT title and a PBA title.
0: Correct. Yeah. And, um, Mm -hmm. I think it was Chuck. It might've been Mark. And I saw Chuck about two years ago or or three years ago and, uh, I couldn't get them all. And he had, uh, he has a good list of, of, of bowlers that it's really hard to figure out all of the bowlers, but he's got a lot of bowlers who have both, you know, NBA titles and, uh, JBT titles.
2: Okay, so you get into junior bowling, that gets you really hooked on the sport, where do you go yes. from there?
0: Well, back in the late 80s, early 90s, you actually could make a living bowling as a non-professional bowler. Um, there was a lot of what they call buck tournaments um, that kind of fizzled out by the late 90s, early 2000s, and there were a lot of top-notch amateur bowlers, uh, Chris Barnes, Mika, Patrick Healy, um, just the few rudy revs you know we were all good enough to be on the tour we had to take our game to another level once we got out there but there were a lot of guys um that were bowling for a living not even being a professional bowler then all
2: right Hmm. so tell us let's let's hear some megabuck stories let's hear about some of your successes at that level
0: not a lot compared to some other guys um I, i did have a couple of uh you know, I did win a, a sweeper or two and, you know, bowled 300 on the last game of the last tournament of the last night to win one of the VIP uh, tournaments for $10,000. But, you know, my my megabuck story is definitely not as good as, say, Rudy Rebs or Chris Barnes or a lot of other uh, top-notch amateurs back in that day.
2: Okay, fair enough. And how about uh, how about side action stories? Any, uh, any times that stick out to you where you really were able to, take advantage of the bracket action and the side action. You know, you, we hear a lot of legendary stories about the side action and how sometimes the side action is more than, than the tournament itself is, is, was worth. So anything that jumps out to you there?
0: Um, there's a lot of tournaments still that have a lot of bracket action, um, side action that aren't, that aren't PBA tournaments. Um, the action, I guess that people would probably want to talk about was the actual bowling action, bowling head to head or doubles matches back in the late eighties, early nineties, um for a lot of money. That's kind of more the exciting stuff as far as I'm concerned. So let's hear it. What do you got? We love
2: it. Let's well let's
0: I'm sure I'm sure I'm sure Mr Brooklyn Robbs heard of this story about the uh the the Viale seven ten match.
1: Remind me, I, I've, I'm I'm. Oh, come on, way. man! Really? You never yeah, heard about I'm, this? I've heard that Joe yeah, yeah, not, not as, as much as
2: a historian much. as I am. I, am. I know. Well,
0: Joe Stillman was Joe Stillman would actually bet on, on making the seven ten, but Chris Fiely actually made the seven ten to win one of the games we were bowling in an action match, and uh, we were bowling for a lot of money. the the The, the bets were around eighteen hundred to two thousand a game. And I think at that point we were like two games down. And if we lose that game, we're probably quitting for the night. And, uh, he makes the seven, 10 to win the game. And we go one down and we win the next three and we completely flipped, you know, the script for the night. And, uh, in this part of the country, that's, that's a, that, that's a legendary, uh, that's a legendary story. You know, it was Chris Vialli and myself against two, uh, other top notch lefty righties, Frank Phillips and, uh, Steve Shirella that'll probably go down as one of the greatest action matches ever.
1: What was the um What was Vialli's reaction like when he made that seven ten? I could I can't even imagine the fire. Well,
0: that. we were at Woodhaven Lanes. <laughs> so as you know that that was a two sided house. Yes. So after he had left the split, I took a walk to the other side, and this is about two or three in the morning now, and there's nobody else on the other side. And somebody else went over there with me, and we sat down. And then all of a sudden, about forty-five seconds later, I heard—I hear this roar, and I knew—I knew what happened.
1: Oh my God, and uh,
0: I think he was on. I think he was literally standing on 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 the ball return, uh, screaming at everybody.
1: <laughs> uh, I still run in the. Yeah, volume. it was. Yeah, he's he's still bowling the tat. He goes out
0: to Vegas. To he first. is. Yeah. He looks. It like was him. February. February of nineteen ninety. It's crazy. I was wearing a San Diego Padres hat.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Violi was, he? he's another good one. He was always involved in the action. He looks like Benjamin Franklin now. You know, he's got he, the...
0: Spectrum. Yeah, he's you got know, the glasses watch. hanging off the edge of the nose. But, uh, you know, he was one of the greatest action bowlers. Um, I, I know there's a lot of other great action bowlers across the country as well as Rudy Revs and some guys from Texas, Joel Gardner and Joe... Joe, Joe Vito, maybe some names that people don't even know, but there were a lot of really good action bowlers in uh, Texas too.
2: Wow, this is, this is what we love, Rob. This is, this is what we love <laughs> why, we, why we do the podcast. So I actually have uh, a story. While we're here, we're, we're talking a little bit of your amateur career, and I actually have a story from your amateur career. I had, uh, I had the interesting sure. opportunity to bowl on a pair with you at uh, the famed uh, New Year's Day marathon, when it was when it was really carolier, carolier, I mean, yeah, when it was really at its height too. I mean, you we're probably yeah, it was like, probably
0: close to 160 to 200 people bowling. Oh
2: no, this was a sellout. This year was a sellout. this year was yeah. when it was at absolute height. I mean, it was yeah. like an uh, amateur major, and I happened to travel yeah. up to the tournament with uh, with Bill O'Neill who was one of the people that was with us. And yep. uh, Joe Paluzic, Joey Pants now. And, and this is uh, Bill O'Neill
0: when he's probably 17 and Paluzic when he's probably about 18.
2: Yeah, no, I think we're a little bit older because I'm the same age as Joe. So we were probably about 20, 21, and Bill was probably about 19. But yeah, we So were I had won.
0: Like, oh, I won that tournament in 1999. And, uh, yeah, I hadn't bowled ever since. So I'm sure that's, that's, the, that, that's the year you're probably talking about.
2: Oh, yeah, it is. It is. And and here's the interesting story, right? And I don't know if you'll remember this or not, but I remember this vividly. Uh, me and Joe still talk about this to this day. So, oh, Rob, boy, we here call we call go. Patrick Allen all day, right? And it's a carolier. And he he's basically just putting on a display. And we, we knew who he was. We knew the name, et cetera. And, but it was the first time I had really like, uh, seen him bowl in person. And he's putting on a display all day, I think pretty much through – the 10 games, all he left was pretty much a 7-pin or a 6-pin. And that was it. And he didn't miss a fucking spare all day. Okay, Well, it comes down to the 10th game. He gets up in the 10th frame and he leaves a 7-pin and we're aware, we're all aware because we're paying attention to what's going on. We're all aware that he needs to make this 7-pin to wrap up the the win in the tournament. He goes up and... didn't even know this. It was the only one he missed all day. I mean, when I tell you we almost shit our pants we almost shit our pants right there on the pair,
0: okay? Are you to so, on, this, on, on this podcast?
2: <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Oh, absolutely. You okay. can say whatever you want. Just realize some people okay. have gotten fine. so if you're still a PBA member, you might want to be a little bit careful. But, uh, yeah, feel, Fair feel free to freely say whatever you want. Um, <laughs> we almost shit our pants. Paluzik and I ran down the concourse because Paluzik knew who was in second, and it was Mike Tranisky. Who Correct. Yes. And he yes, he was. To double. He needed the double to beat you, and, and and he went up. I forget what he left, but he didn't double in the ten. I think he left the two pin actually, if I remember. But right. Um, and you okay. ended up winning the tournament. And yeah, that you know that was a really interesting experience from my amateur bowling career. You know, and obviously you went on to to other things. You know, with your PBA career that we'll get to in a little bit here. But uh, yeah, just a little interesting window. And yeah, bowled on a pair with another. Future PBA Hall of Famer, you know, who at that time was just starting their their amateur career too.
0: You're talking about Bill O'Neill. Yeah. Were we on the same pair?
2: We all were. Yeah, it was me, you, Bill, wow. Jason, and a guy named Will Jackson, who was a regional player uh, at that time gotcha.
0: from yep. the area. Yep.
2: Yep. So, interesting story. So, Rob, you want to interject here?
0: Uh, <laughs> yeah Rob you've been really quiet bro for for being Brooklyn Rob you, you, you've been like way in the background way more than I thought tonight here bud well yeah I, I, let the, the
1: I, I, I usually let Mike do the, a lot of the talking because if me and him talk at the same time then nothing would ever get know. Uh, we would just be talking over each other um, I don't know if PA wants to <laughs> tell a story about me bowling with the Vera Papa when I was 17 but to me that's what i you might were 17 How how old are you now
0: bro I'm 38, so I was like 18, 18. Yeah, you were 17. <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. <laughs> you had a you had a really good run that tournament, man, for being 17 years old and and bowling what as we call one of the amateur majors then, because that was an amateur major, the Andy Verapapa tournament.
1: Yeah, it was. Um, I guess from what I remember, the tournament was like. Ninety-five or like ninety-six finalists, and uh, the left side was pretty good. 60, all time. Six, 64 but yes. Oh, was it? It was a sixty-four bracket, right? Like sixty-four.
0: Was. Yeah, but it's kind of an interesting tournament. How he does the seating, Jim Jim yeah. Rusted, God God rest his Soul, one of the one of the best uh, amateur tournament directors of all time. Uh, I know a guy that should be in the bowling hall, hall of fame too.
1: Yeah, he did a lot for the bowling on the East Coast. Without a doubt, without
0: question, he was one of the biggest influences of bowling in the New York Tri-State area for about a twenty-year stretch.
2: I got—I wow. got to interject real quick. Like, I remember seeing the paper result printout things that would go around from his events. Yeah, and like not being able to, like, I couldn't wait to bowl one of those events when I got done with junior. Absolutely, bowl. it was one of the first things that I put on my. List of like, all right, stuff yes. I need to go bowl. I got to go bowl one of these Vera Papa Jim Lustig events,
0: and uh, yeah, winning a perfect. Lustig tournament, whether it was a small tournament that paid fifteen hundred or two thousand, or a major, was a big a, a big deal to win a Lustig tournament.
1: Oh yeah, yeah. Sure. so this tournament first place, I believe, was sixteen. Was it sixteen thousand
0: or it was it 12, sixteen thousand? Yes,
1: thousand. And um, I was a uh, long story short, I went through this bracket uh with like guys i beat like timmy Mack and mike you won a lot of
0: matches bro you got up to the semi-final match you won probably five or six matches and if you go from the first round you you got to win i believe it's 12 or 13 matches to win the the tournament so you always wanted to try and bully a higher score to have to bowl less matches to win
1: right so i i started from the first round mike and i ended up in a step ladder. Uh, with me and three lefties, Patrick yep. Allen, David Eisenberg, and Chris Hayden. Yes, you did. Uh, and, wow, uh,
2: David Eisenberg, what a name, yo! Yep. Oh my god, he threw it so and, so good.
1: Oh my god,
0: he,
2: he, he was a good time. he was a
0: good bowler. Yes,
1: <laughs> yeah, he was a great bowler.
0: Um, First
2: time I ever saw that kid throw a ball and ball, I wasn't sure i had ever seen anybody throw it better in person. I I, 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 I wow. I, I mean, he. He he, yo! His game was yep. like it, impeccable. Seriously, yeah. Yep.
0: So How is he doing? Did, did, does anybody know?
1: Yeah, he's on Facebook. Friends with him. I yeah, think he's good. A, a lot of he's a family, he's a family man. He's got a family, because he, he had, had he
0: had he had beaten cancer at a pretty young age. Yeah, had, yeah, yep.
1: Yeah. And I think that's where he started. Good for him, man. Yeah, he's a, he was a good dude too. I mean, he's a, still a good dude, but he's a good dude. Um. Anyway, so. Get to the match I bowl in, I'm bowling Patrick Allen, right and I, we, this is the first time like we don't I, I don't know pA at this time. I don't
0: know you I know your brother you know my, yeah, I don't my remember brother. You. Or, you your know, brother bowled in, in the seaboard classic like like you I, said, but mm-hmm. you and your brother looked nothing alike, so I would have never put you two guys together.
1: Yeah, and we were completely different
0: personality, too. Uh, completely. You guys look nothing alike, act nothing alike. Yeah, I would have never put you two guys as brothers ever. You and your other brother? Yes. yes. But, Jeff? No.
1: No. So, get. long story short, getting into, getting up in a 10 frame, I need to throw three strikes in the 10th to force PA to throw the first one.
0: Yes, you uh, did.
1: I get up, and I throw three of the best shots I've ever thrown, but here's yes, what I made did. Mike, here's where I made a big, big mistake as a as a bowler. The- you actually
0: didn't. You 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 didn't make a mistake here. It just didn't work out in your favor, but you actually did what you're supposed to do. I, I already
1: would- know where this is going. <laughs> I threw I threw the fill ball and I looked right yep. at your liberty. No, no, I looked right at him and I don't know word for word. I don't remember what I said, but it was something like now it's your turn to strike, motherfucker. No. no. No, no, no. no. It it was
0: nothing like... There was no F-bomb. It was just make him throw it.
2: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's about
1: right and
0: I okay. didn't throw the greatest shot. It 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 turned out that it did strike. It wasn't my greatest shot, but I let him have it, though.
1: <laughs> Mike, That's he a- gave it to me so bad on the lanes. Like, he gave it
0: I l- to me. I let him have it.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and, Mike, I was 17. and Then what... So. So I was all shook up, you know. I thought I was gonna win, whatever, big deal. Uh, the next week, uh, word got back to me that PA was in the pro shop and they were asking him about the match. And PA says, "Yeah, I don't know that uh, kid that I bowled, but I got a lot of respect for him. He told me to throw it when I needed it, and I liked that. So <laughs> That's we all ended up a World Team Challenge the next like couple months later together. But that was uh, one of my favorite stories, and I. <laughs>
0: We actually bowled with your 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 best pal there, Bill O'Neill, but it was actually like two years later. It was two thousand one at uh, Carolier.
1: Yeah, we bowled with Junior Simonelli. Set up,
0: <laughs> set up by your boy Simonelli Jr.
1: And Sean Bay was on that team too, I think, right?
0: Um, I don't think he was. I think it was uh, it was Bill, it was myself, it was you, my
1: brother,
0: it was someone else, and it was Junior.
1: Yeah, my brother was on that team with us, I'm pretty sure.
0: Yeah, Dave, right? Dave, yep. Yes, yep. and Junior. But Chumbe yep. was not on that team, no. He wasn't. He just probably played. And, I, and I got to stay at the Pirashad residence the night before in Brooklyn before we we, we went over to Caroleo Saturday morning.
1: God, uh, those are good times. It uh, was, bro. <laughs>
2: yeah, well, <laughs> listen, I mean, you know, Pat, Patrick, you already uh, referred to it, you know, just that – that upbringing in the JVT circuit and, you know, the, the competitive nature that, that existed there, you know, kids like Rob and I, when we were 17 or 18, you know, we were bowling in some really heated environments at that time already. So, you know, to step up to the amateur ranks, even though it was intimidating for us, like, it wasn't like we had never been, uh, at that level of heated competition, you know? So I'm not, not, not surprised to hear that at all. You know, I think, uh, Here's what I think about, Rob, and we're getting a little off track here. I'll bring it back in a second, but i got to put this out there because I I talk about it with a lot of other bowlers from our era as well. Rob, these kids today, they're allowed to bowl whatever they want. They're allowed to bowl whatever they want and stay junior. They can bowl regionals. They can bowl adult events, marathons, local stuff, New Year's Day, whatever they want, and they could stay junior. Rob, could you imagine if we were able to do that, like – how that would have changed the landscape of things in general like if you as a 17 year old were able to go and bowl that lustig event have that experience against bowling against Patrick Allen and then the next weekend come back and bowl a regular JBT again like come i mean it's yeah, just unbelievable
1: i know i mean we bowl i mean we we bowl for money as juniors all the time but i mean nobody i had to use a fake name half the time when i was bowling for money like especially like around my area because I don't want my scholarship money getting taken away and stuff. But yeah, it's a whole different landscape now. It really is. Um, but I, I understand that. Yeah. So uh, everything let's get everything's
0: back. different now.
2: Yeah, and we're yeah. Hopefully, we're we're going to talk about the state of the game today in a bit here. Let's let's talk a little uh, World Team Challenge because that's actually the first time I ever saw you throw a bowling ball. I think was that was that one of the first times you bowled on TV? Was the World Team Challenge? <laughs>
0: Actually, no. I had bowled a couple of uh, other times on TV um, on the national tour and uh, the ABC Masters. Um, I was 21 years old, and I got to get the fortunate to bowl with Mike Lickstein, who was uh, son of the player services director on the tour at that time, uh, Larry Lickstein. And we actually made the TV show in the PBA doubles in 1992. And then, um, I had made the show in 1993 at the ABC masters and I finished second. So I, I actually had okay. some TV right. experience before the team was even actually started. Okay.
2: And did you have a, you yeah. have a success in the team challenge circuit or
0: uh, I did. I, I had some really good teams that I was a part of. I, I wouldn't say I had success more than more than the rest of my team did. Um, I was just a con- contributor, but I was never really a, a leader. Um, but we definitely had some uh, some good years, some really good teams, and we won some titles, and we made some TV, and we, we made some money in brackets, and it was a really, really fun uh, five or six years bowling that stuff until, uh, un- unfortunately, it kinda went the other way.
2: Yeah, there's really something to be said for the for the team aspect of bowling. I mean, you see it kind of with the PBA league here, but you know that World Team Challenge, like that, was always a very unique and 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 very. And the nice. lanes were so hard. Yeah, were
0: the lanes high. were so tough. Um, yeah, you know, so you would bowl sweepers running. and you you'd win with 650 or six or 660 against 120 guys. Um, you know, just the scores were really low. Um you bowl 200 every game and you win in a lot of brackets, you would clean up bowling over 200 every single game. So it was just a completely different deal. Um, and it, it was a really good deal. Yeah. Unique event. I, I love to go back on YouTube and
2: watch some of those shows as well. Oh yeah, definitely. <clears throat> so then you hit the PBA tour, right? Your amateur career ends and uh, you, you hit the PBA tour, your first title, I believe, and we do our research around here, to be clear. So when we know we're going to ask, we go back, we we YouTube, we watch. So, you know, just so you know, we're not we're not messing around over here. ESPN
0: <laughs> classic, I know. Yeah.
2: Yeah, your first <laughs> title was in uh was in <laughs> Detroit. And uh, you, bowled Robert, you bowled Robert
0: Smith to win your Correct, first title. Correct, I did. It was an you awesome guys match. have uh, done so, your uh, research well.
2: Yeah, he was actually wearing that... Uh, that red uh, retro storm bowling shirt with like the
0: black
2: sleeves and the black that was strives. a big that was
0: a big thing back in that from about two thousand one to two thousand five or so. A, a lot of guys would would wear those retro shirts uh, in bowling, you know, on tour and on TV. It was a really it was a really big 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 thing. Then it didn't really go for me. I, I never really wore those, but a lot of people wore, wore those shirts back back then.
2: Yeah, my college team actually had those exact shirts. So that's, why, that's, why, <laughs> yeah. that's why it struck me. But anyway, so you bowled Robert Smith for the title. It was a really interesting, match For any of our listeners who want to go back and check it out, that um, was what struck me the most in watching it and rewatching that title match is that you know before your last shot, you uh, you gave a shout out to all of New York and said, "New York, this is I for did. you." Can, can you give us the the uh, the thought behind that?
0: well if you guys remember now um you know it's like i think it was october 23rd 2001 it was about five or six weeks earlier you know from 9-11 so you know um there was a there was a lot going on back in back in new york then and um you know it was just uh it was just a very emotional time for new yorkers period and uh including myself you know being on the tour and um you know, I didn't really think about it or anything. I just kind of said it at, at that per- particular moment. And, uh, you know, at that point it just was for New York.
2: Damn. I didn't even think about that when I watched the show, Yeah, man.
0: Dad. Yeah, man.
2: Uh,
1: okay. Yeah. And then, uh, you know, I was, and then you said you made, six,
0: it was about six, six weeks earlier. So. Mm. so then you threw yeah. a shout out
1: to all your haters too. I remember <laughs> there was a couple of them. <laughs> I remember that. And I, I kind of feel like that had something to do with, uh, uh, some I don't remember, but I maybe I'm thinking maybe a message boards or some some shit was getting was getting thrown out on the internet and 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 whatnot.
0: So the internet was kind of getting into a big deal then, but um, it really didn't have anything to do with the internet. It had to do with some people that had said some things to me over the summer before that season. Before that season on tour started, and um, you know I I kind of knew I was close. I knew I was ready to turn the corner and uh, they basically told me I was never going to win and I was fooling myself bowling out there. I was I was I was kidding myself. If Rudy Rebs couldn't win, what am I doing out there? And um, I actually remember telling them, "I'll guarantee you I'll, I'll I'll dedicate my first one to you." And I I got the chance to to do it thanks to Jim Kelly and Rand, Randy Peterson.
2: Yeah, yeah it was a uh, interesting post win interview i would say when i uh it was when i kind
0: uh, yeah. So, yeah, of little- i kind of thought that they kind of knew what i was gonna say or kind of what how it it was gonna go so they gave me the chance to do it and um fortunately you know it was a good interview it was a really good show and um you know i i got some things to say that maybe some other people couldn't have so I was very happy for that
2: yeah well listen me and Rob talked about it when uh when we set this interview up like you you <laughs> Rob always advocates for more emotion on the show. And so do I. I think that you know uh, when a show has emotion it's definitely a better show and and you're one bowler that whenever you made the show most of the time if you were bowling well and you were in it, you know you could always count on on Patrick Allen bringing the emotion to the show.
0: You might have a point there but as Rob will tell you, things were different 20 years ago. Um, people were a lot more emotional on the lanes, just about everything. And the, today, these younger kids—they're—they're—they're they're, they're great bowlers. They're phenomenal bowlers, but they're just not that emotional. And you know, um, they don't really let their let their let their guard down when they're on TV. You know, they do get excited, but not to the point where it was maybe 20 years ago.
1: Uh, you know, Mike, you know what my favorite PA moment was on TV? Uh, I got I to throw this moment out. Uh, 2000, I believe it was 2005 uh, U.S. Open. Uh, when you
0: <laughs> Tied with
1: Mika, uh, and you went to a roll. Yeah. Now, Mika, I, I noticed, like, doing, you know, just doing some homework that you bowled Mika a lot on TV. So I can only imagine you guys rolled each other a lot during match play and round Robin and whatever else there was. Um, So was that like your biggest rival? Was that, would you say, somebody who was always, like you guys were always going at each other? And then when you beat him in that roll-off, you started yelling at the uh, crowd, uh, talking about uh, a new year, new result, or (laughs) or something like that? So
0: what I will say about that is – I really didn't bowl Mika a lot besides TV. Um, The way that they used to do the seating back then with the tour, they would kind of protect their stars where the higher guys up in the point list would not meet each other until the TV show. Right. So the, the, the guys way up in the top five or six or 10 in, in the point list would never meet each other until TV. So I really never bowled Mika very much until, television the guy i couldn't beat was walter i couldn't beat him to save my life except on on, on television don't don't ask me how that happened but I, I got a few good breaks against him on tv but i never really beat him very much um so mika had beat me three times the year before on television i bowled okay that year but um that was the year he was player of of the year and you know if i had beat him one or twice that 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 year things might have been different for both of us so I guess at that point, Mika was 11-0 and 0 against lefties on TV, and he was starting to let people know about it. And, uh, you know, being that it was the year before and I had lost him three times and I got to bowl him again on, on, on TV and, you know, being the U.S. Open and the intensity and the toughness of the lane conditions, just it got really intense. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, and you you definitely showed that intensity out there at the end of the match uh as as Rob kind of alluded to there. Uh and again, you know, for our listeners, I know everybody's home doesn't have much to do, so if you want to go check Not that right out right now. That's why you guys are talking to me. <laughs> it, it was what Rob the uh 2005 US Open you said? Yeah, that was
0: 2005 that. US Open. One of the one of the most one of the most exciting TV shows probably over the last uh over the last decade well now it's two decades ago but that, that that was probably one of the best tv shows uh of that of the 2000s t- to be honest with you
1: it was the roll-off was unbelievable like you got to go back and watch that roll-off again like it was so the, the motion and the intensity was so much that i'm just sitting there going wow this is uh i, I love a, a, every minute of it um so,
0: and chris barnes striking in the tent to win um you know and, and then you know beating me by a pin um you know people don't remember that as well you know he had his struggles on on tv with majors and and throwing strikes when he needed to to win and um he kind of got over the hump there unfortunately it, it it was at my expense but you know that was just a really exciting show oh i remember i yeah. remember oh i remember yep trust me. you know, we had
2: him on the show and i we you know we brought all that up don't worry about that yeah we 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 covered that <laughs> yeah. that's how that's how we do over here uh, you in one year tour earnings three hundred fifty thousand seven hundred forty dollars. It's still the second highest earnings year of all time. That must have been a hell of a year. Man. Not for long, bro. Not for
0: long. Why? Not with because Bullmars put some more money into the tour, and Anthony Simonson and Jason Bel- Belmonte are gonna are are both gonna beat that. It's just a matter of time. You know, hopefully we'll get past this whole uh, you know coronavirus thing and. Everything will go back to normal, and you know, people haven't seen um, you know earnings that are going to get as good as they were back, you know, that five year window when uh, Steve Miller was running the PBA Tour, and you know, um, we have we're willing we're for a hundred thousand dollars every single major, and Walter made four hundred thirty thousand dollars one year. Someone's going to get to that point. Trust me, it's just a matter of when.
2: And I find it interesting that you mentioned those two names specifically. Is that because you hold those two players in such high regard skill-wise, or is it because of the current environment
0: of of two-handers and and the success they're having? I'm going to say this, and I'm going to say this once. They've finished first and second in the last two majors. Nothing to do with two hands. They could bowl with eight hands. It doesn't really make a difference. Those guys are phenomenal bowlers. I'm not really one of the believers with the two hands that they have an advantage. And you know what? The game has, the game has, has changed and their environment has allowed them to do what they did growing up. And those guys are phenomenal bowlers period. Nothing to do with two hands, one hand. They're great spare shooters. They're great executors of shots. They know how to make adjustments Jason Belmont, is one of the best split converters I've ever seen in my life, and um, as far as, as as far as I'm concerned, he's the greatest bowler I've ever seen in my life. So he will get to that point.
2: Okay, well said, well said, and I I, uh, I agree with most of your uh, your assessment there. Uh, yeah, let's let's talk let's talk lefties for a minute. Um, okay, you know, clearly you're still following the tour. Uh, it sounds like. At
0: least in a general, I follow way. it not as much as I probably should, but I do still follow a Yes,
2: okay, and you know I'm sure that you've noticed, and I'm sure you're still plugged into the to the circle. Um, you know that that the lefties have been having sort of a rough go of it. I mean, I know yes for Spencer won two titles recently at the end of the season here, and that kind of put a different spin on things. But before that occurred, you know, earlier this season, it had really been a tough route. So. I guess we could go on a couple different routes, either like speak generally about what it's like to be a lefty out there when things aren't real good, or, you know, what do you think about the trend of, of the lefties really not having that great of a
0: look out there kind of recently? So I really can't say much about that because unfortunately when I was bowling on tour for most of my good years, urethane balls were not in play. Um, so the, the lanes from pair to pair wouldn't change as drastically or as much as they do now. But with, you know, three or four really top notch lefties that are throwing urethene, I think everything just kind of significantly changes on a drastic, a, a much more drastic mode than what I was ever accustomed to. So I really don't have much to say about that, to be honest with you.
1: Wow. So, okay. what, wait, let me go ahead. So, Rob. Yeah. So the emer- so the you're thinking the emergence of urethane has actually been a a a, a pretty like big challenge for the left side because of um, how much the lanes how much those urethane balls are really kind of beating up the left side
0: I mean is that was I wouldn't the- say they're beating up the left side but if you if you go to a pair that Jacob or Jesper starts on for fifteen minutes of practice you're not gonna bowl more than 160 if you're playing the lanes the same moving across the house as you were before you hit that pair.
1: Hmm, That's interesting.
0: It's not going to happen. Yeah. They significantly change the pattern and how much oil they transition down the lane and how that pair actually plays. Hmm. Um, I really struggled the last year or so when those guys started to be fairly or much get to that point where they were starting to be dominant bowlers. I couldn't compete. You know, I feel bad for guys like Anthony Pepe because he's a tremendous bowler, but I know he's struggling with that whole deal following those urethane balls and how much they changed the lanes on the left. I don't really think that the left is really that bad. I just think that some pairs are going to be really, really different compared to other pairs. And over the course of that many games against that competition, you're going to suffer.
2: Interesting. Can can you comment from your perspective? Because I'm sure there were times in the years that you were out on tour where, you know, maybe it seemed like there was a, uh, I don't even know how, like there was a little bit of a disadvantage or an advantage for one side or the other, one style or the other. How did you tend to deal with that in your time on tour? Did you just ignore it? Did you vent about it? I tried to
0: ignore it, but fortunately for me, at that point, the scoring pace when I was bowling, was much lower than what it is now. So if you could kind of just block it out and make, make shots and not really worry about what everybody else is doing or saying, you know, um, you could find a way when maybe some other guys would kind of use that as an excuse to not let it hinder your performance or your success. But the scoring pace now is so much higher than when I was bowling. It just makes things a lot different than... When, when I was, you know, more of, of a dominant force out there.
2: Okay, fair enough.
0: Uh, I mean, you, you can were, make shows back then. When I was bowling, averaging under 220, there's no chance you, you, you can do that now. Yeah,
2: now the scoring pace is up, No shot.
0: Uh, it was, was pretty high. Zero shot. So in theory, it's still bowling, but the game has changed a lot. Ton
2: and what? It, what do you think is the you know are the are the root factors of, of that change? Technology,
0: rev rates, um, the quality of bowlers that have come out there are that good with that much rev rate. They've just they've just completely changed the game, the professional game, and you know people that don't have a lot of rev rate. It, it's really hard for them to compete anymore. I mean, just ask one of the greatest bowlers of all time, you know? I mean, he hasn't won in 10 years. Not that he's, you know, not that he's supposed to be uh, a a big force out there, but, you know, a guy that wins 48 times, and then all of a sudden, you know, he can't even cash at all. <laughs> you know, that says a lot.
2: Mm. Agreed.
0: Yeah, uh, you know,
2: yeah, no, I, I, I yeah, the, the the statistics tell tell a part of the story, right? Numbers sure.
0: never lie, bro. They just don't. They don't lie. You know, you got Hall of Famers that are bowling out there every week that you know are finishing at, at the bottom mm-hmm. because they don't have the same. I'm not saying skill set because they're. They're very skilled, skilled bowlers, but they don't throw it the same way as the the guys that are dominating out there now. It's just it's a different game.
1: It, it, it really makes you appreciate Norm Duke and what he's doing
0: the last year or two. I mean, Absolutely. God. But take into consideration that Norm, both those weeks that he won, they were bowling on dual patterns. Right. He wasn't bowling on one pattern where the scoring pace was significantly high. The, the scoring pace was much lower. And it was two patterns. And when you get two patterns, you see Tommy Jones on television. You see Chris Barnes on television. You see Norm Duke on television. You see more shot makers on television when it's more one pattern and the scores, you know, get a little bit more high and everybody migrates in because it's one pattern. You don't see those guys on, on TV.
1: Mm, Yeah, it's true. It's a good point. It really is.
2: Absolutely. Uh, Patrick, you were very famous, you know. In my opinion, anyway, I guess you know for uh, for self talk. Do you think that's fair to say?
0: You could say that, yeah.
2: Loved your self talk on TV, you, you Rob. He was the best self talker in the history of the PBA. I'm giving him that title.
1: <laughs> See that the original the the guy who made Mop famous and the greatest self talker. So you got two. You got two and uh. Awards on the show p a so I should be very proud those of guys
0: were so good, man, that you had to get your mindset in a totally different place than you've ever put it before to be able to compete at that level, and you know sometimes I had to just sometimes I had to just talk myself into it I mean that's just really what it it comes down to you know I had to talk myself into it
1: mm. you still see that every once in a while out there, Mike. Uh, I, I when I when I self talk I usually are, are talking when I'm 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 bowling really bad and then I'm cursing <laughs> myself. So yeah, like, Mom,
2: my my self talk is always negative.
1: Yeah, yeah always. You know, but that's the whole yeah. you the, the whole purpose of self talk.
2: Yeah, right. My yeah, yeah. I would say like eighty five percent of my self talk is probably calling myself an asshole. Yeah, and an or yeah. Or, I, I, And then the other, the, another, another 10% is me complaining about what somebody else has. And I don't, uh, and then the last 5% is me congratulating myself when I happen to throw a good shot. That's pretty much like how my self-talk breaks down, but no, listen, I'm serious about that. It's something that I always notice while watching you bowl in, in big spots on shows. And, you know, again, I encourage our, our listeners to go back, take a look. It's, it's rather interesting to see, uh, to see the the mental aspect of the game play out in front of you verbally. You know, not a lot of these guys say anything. They're very quiet. They're very stoic. But it was almost like you were talking through the mental side of the game in your head while you were bowling. And, and I just always found it very interesting.
0: You know, I, I just think that sometimes if you don't, you can let the situation get the best of you. Ooh, and, like- um... I think that's that sometimes it does happen for some, for, for some people. And I was just always trying to not let the situation or the, or the outcome, you know, get the best of me where I just tried to be me and not worry about so much, everything else.
2: Yeah, That's great advice for, uh, for any bowler really, regardless of, uh, of what level you're, you're bowling at. Um, what, what led you to stop bowling on tour? Cause I sucked.
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh my goodness! Um,
0: you know, we we got to the point where it was uh, it was uh, a really long stretch over ten plus tournaments where I wasn't even competitive. Um, you know, the body was just not doing what the mind said it wanted to do, and uh, you know, it just becomes a point where it's just uh, I don't want to become that person that was a great bowler but is embarrassing himself and I was starting to get to that point where I was embarrassing myself and um, it was done. Mm. And that's that's the hardest part for any professional athlete ask Alex Rodriguez, ask Edgar Martinez, ask any great professional athlete that was at one point and at the end it was a very painful ending.
1: So, let me ask you uh you got um uh i'm not sure if the big five o birthday is coming up this year or is it already it's passed. coming
0: yeah it it it's coming but so, you know,
1: you know my question's it's really to... it's really hard to think ahead
0: about anything like like that man with what we got going on man it's just it's tough, you know it's just you're just trying to live day day by day now you know it's you know all seriousness now. I mean, we're just being as serious as we can be here. It's just, uh, it's a lot of people dying out there, man. It's just, uh, it's really, really tough that we have to kind of watch this thing going on. And we're, we're trying to do our best to, to stay on the right side of the fence. But, you know, it's just really hard to look past, you know, a week, two weeks, a month from what we're doing now. Yeah.
1: it's This, terrible this,
2: is, this is very true. This is very true. But come on, give us, something. it's hard. Are you shooting in the gym? Are you sharpening the tools? Is there is there a no, chance that when things not, resume? Nothing, nothing. You, is there a chance we're going to see you out
0: there when things resume? If we happen to get past this whole thing, I did tell myself that, you know what, it's probably something that I probably should start pursuing because I always took it for granted that I could just go bowl whenever I wanted, and now I can't. It's been a month. It's been six weeks or, you know, four, four, four weeks, three, four, four weeks. And it's going to be another six weeks where even if I want to go bowl, I can't, you know, and I, I know, I know people are going crazy, you know, they want to be able to bowl. They want to be able to do what they've been doing their whole life and they can't do it, you know? So I think maybe that, um, I'm not taking things for granted so much as I have in the past. So you never know.
2: I want to see some. I want to see some Pa Barnes matchups on the uh, on senior team. <laughs> I want to hear the self talk. I want you giving people the business. I want you standing up on chairs and telling people it's a new year, it's a new outcome, brother.
0: Okay. So Barnes and Mika and all those guys—they are so far ahead of me right now. I can't even imagine being even close to their level. So you know, we just got to kind of worry about practicing and getting back on the lanes and maybe losing a couple pounds and, you know, doing some things to get my body to not hurt so much. You know, we just, we got to worry about that right now. I, I can't worry about Barnes. That guy's way too good, bro. Oh,
2: come on. If the left's good, if the left's good, you know, you got a shot. Come on. Stop, stop being modest. I actually bowled better good. when the left was, wasn't good.
1: Yeah, the yeah. fair, <laughs> fair point. Fair, <laughs> He's always, fair always point. Yeah, right. Was always a better grinder than
0: than, than high than wall. You know, <laughs> Guy- when when the left ran him over, I, I was really not a factor. I, I gotta be honest with you. You know, I, I was okay, but when they seemed to not have what they were liking, I seemed to maybe thrive a little bit better for whatever situation.
2: Okay. Uh, so we, we touch up on the bowling. What about life off the lanes? Uh, what's you know, what what are you doing? What's life life off the lanes? Uh, how are things in general?
0: They've actually been okay. Um, I've been running a pro shop for about three years now. Um, I did switch locations, um, over the last six months. I went from, um, North Jersey over to my old stomping around in Westchester County but, um, you know, things were things were going things were going pretty good, you know, and then obviously, you know, life threw a, a curveball, you know, and right now I'm not really doing much, but you know' just trying to hope to get day by day, and things maybe go back to normal somehow, and uh, I'll be happy to uh, get back to work.
2: So, uh, where's the shop? Give it a plug. What uh, what what Sanders home, home,
0: home Field Bowl, Yonkers, New York. It it was been it's been my stomping grounds for the last twenty years. Um, they were one of the um, one of the biggest factors for me. Um, they would let me practice there whenever I wanted. They would away the lanes for me whenever I wanted. You know, um, the Lime Killer family. They've been great to me, and um, I, I wouldn't have got to where I got to if it wasn't for them and a lot of other people too, but I have to give my props out to them because they've been behind me 100% from day one whenever I joined the PBA in the fall of 1999.
2: Okay, so before we finish up the interview here, uh, just of a course. few quick things before we get out of here. We appreciate the time. Uh, absolutely, I appreciate you guys having me on,
0: man. I really do. And you guys no, do a great job.
2: Thanks. It's been awesome to chop I
0: up, still, I still want to hear that list, though.
2: No, well, listen. Did. We'll email you the list, but you're going to be a little bit upset with me with this last question. But that's okay. I always, right. I always okay. the question that upsets people for last. So I got to call you out for being a little bit of a weirdo on something because I just, I don't know how this happened, but just it put I was put in this position a few times where I was probably watching uh, professional events that Bill was bowling in that you were also bowling in, and we ended up okay. in the bathroom at the same time, and you <sighs> would go into the bathroom uh, with just your socks on. Is it this? this is, am, am I right? I mean, I'm not. I'm not
0: making. No, this up. I w- I went into the bathroom with my right sock on because I would take my bowling shoe off to go to the bathroom, but my left shoe would always be on.
2: Okay, but just the right sock. I mean, what are you thinking? Are you a are you a serial killer? Who goes into no. the bathroom with just their sock on? Aren't you? Because I mean, I, a lot of bad I'm not going in into my
0: bathroom. I'm not going into a bathroom with my bowling shoe on.
2: Well, then you got to put the regular shoe on if you're not going to go shoe cover. You can't just go in with your sock. You're going to end up with a pissy sock.
0: Bro, when I'm on five and six and I started on 57 and eight and my shoes are over there, I'm not walking all the way over there. Sorry, bro. Not happening.
2: Oh, my God. I will deal with what I got to deal with. Nothing Nothing
1: is too much for me to avoid a pissy sock. Rob, what What are your thoughts on this? Well, I mean, look, like bowlers do weird things when they have to go to the bathroom in the middle of the squad. Now that this whole like Corona thing is going on, do you know how many times I went to the bathroom and didn't wash my hands leaving? Like if I'm in the middle of a game, you can't. Yeah, you no, can't no, because can't. you'll never get out of, out of, out of the bowling ball. No, but I'm just saying like that's just things like that.
0: I know, but life life has significantly changed. I mean it just
1: it has. I know.
2: Yeah, no, it's now new all, all you know? bowling centers are now gonna need to install those Dyson uh hand fan. Have you ever used one of those Dyson hand fans? Yeah, but I have not. No I know they have them in AC. I mean they are they are the
0: shit. Like yeah, but they get your
1: like, hands no. perfectly dry. No, but it doesn't matter because, look, you know you're in the middle of a squad, right? Six, seven, eight you games. You can't
0: wash your hands. You can't.
1: No, Your hand is in complete dirty condition. It's got the yep. roset and dirty. Your ball feels great. The last thing you want to do is put the freaking hands in, in, in with soap and water, and then you're, you're back to square one again. Like you need twenty Correct.
0: Minutes.
1: So, Mike. Now, if you have no 15 or 20 minutes
0: to not throw a shot, it's great, but you can't go to the bathroom, wash your hands, and then two minutes later, throw a shot with wet hands. You'll never get out of the bone ball, ball.
1: Yep. Let well, me tell you something. Put
0: the stuff a poll.
1: Well, let me tell you something though, Mike. If you would tell me that uh, I would win 13 or 14 titles in two majors, and all I would have had to do is walk in a bathroom with socks on, I would have fucking, <laughs> I would have been slipping and sliding down the fucking toilet, Okay.
0: You guys uh, are too funny, man.
2: <laughs> uh, me too. Me too. No doubt uh pa last question here we ask this to everybody the first time they're on what is the best ball
0: ever i will only tell you if you have me on again
2: <laughs> oh oh my good all right okay yeah, no problem so if, on that. if
0: if i can't be on again i'm not gonna tell you
2: all right no we'll definitely have you back on you don't even have to answer it the next time you come on we'll we'll ask you again and you can give us that answer fair
0: enough We'll do that.
2: Got, I think you got any plugs? Who you want to plug? You, anybody you want to uh, you want to give a shout to before we get you out of here?
0: I've already kind of plugged who I need to plug. Um, you know, I appreciate everything you, you guys did for the last hour, and uh, I was glad to be on tonight. Thank you.
2: Yeah, listen, PA, we appreciate the time, man. Uh, we had a very enjoyable time, and we'll definitely welcome you back on for sure.
0: I want to do it again.
1: <laughs> PA, you got it. On, man. TBA Billy, Mike,
0: and Brooklyn Rob.
1: No, get Rudy to come right. on with. We could have some 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 really big action stories.
0: How about Rudy Vialli, and myself?
1: Oh my Let's goodness!
0: Do Let's do it <laughs> together.
1: Shut oh, send the text let us know. Yeah, we're in for sure.
0: We got to get that done. I know we got All
1: to. Man. Thank
0: yeah, man. Thank you we it. It. so much. All right, bud. We'll see you guys later. All right, later. All right.
2: So Rob, we always uh, we always love our legends. We always love our Hall of Famers around here, man.
1: Yo, man, I love that guy, dude. <laughs> He's uh is 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 a character, and I mean, you don't really don't get to know him until you bowl with him. And uh, you know, I was fortunate to be able to bowl with him in a World Team Challenge, and uh, I just remember like laughing the whole the whole time because uh, it just. You know, it's just fun, and it's just a lot of shit talking, and it's a lot of just intensity, and it's just a good a good time. But man, like, I, I just love telling those stories about PA, and uh, I really, really encourage our our listeners to go out and, and YouTube some of his old shows, uh, and and just and when I talk about intensity and character and talking shit and getting into it, and uh, he's probably the epitome of of exactly what the PBA. Uh, you know, needs more of, and and they need more of guys like him, and guys that like um, you know, like Pete Weber and Patrick Allen, and guys that just aren't afraid to, you know, to mix it up and talk a little shit too, and 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 show some emotion.
2: You know, but he he made an interesting point there about the difference between you know, uh, younger younger people today and younger people at our time where. Yeah, there was a more aggressive edge and a more aggressive attitude. And you know what? Like, I think about it more, and I think you know what? You even see that in other sports as well, Rob. Like, where, in, in think about basketball for for instance, in like the late '80s, early '90s, mid. I mean, Rob, there were teams that wanted to kill each other. Oh my God, right? the Knicks. And, and, yeah, oh. when you think about like the Knicks and the Bulls, or the Pistons and the and okay. and
1: the Bulls or Tell Knicks. Oh my goodness, Yeah,
2: Celtics Lakers and, and and listen like there were heated heated series in in, in those oh. rivalries, right? And then yeah. you kind of look today, Robin, look at look at today and how things go. You know, Kevin Durant had a rivalry with the Golden State Warriors. What did he do? He joined their team. You know, LeBron has a, has a rivalry with the Celtics. What does he do? He goes and joins a, another team to to make his own big 3. I really think he made an excellent point there. You know that today you really just don't see that same level of of competitive intensity. You know where it almost grows to like a a hatred. You know or a rivalry of sorts, and you really don't see that all too much.
1: Well, you know what happens. Well, these pros and, and and maybe even the PBA too. If these guys sneeze the wrong way. They get fined. They get suspended. I mean, look at the history we have on this podcast. Like, it's just you can't do anything wrong or else they're going to lose money out of their pockets. Now, yeah, um, I don't know. I, I would imagine that maybe the suspensions and a lot of, like, the restrictions, a lot of what these guys can do and say were maybe a lot less back then. And now they can't. I would imagine even, like, the NBA, too. Like, these guys, you know, you leave the bench now. Mike, you leave the bench. And and you, you get you get suspended and you, you can't play. So, you know, it's just one of those things where I think it's just people just were getting offended too easy and then people were getting a lot of pressure. And I think it's just all social media and all Internet. And, you know, it's just a new generation, Mike, honestly.
2: Yeah, true. So uh, also interesting to hear that, they, you know, there, there might be a possible Patrick Allen sighting on the PBA 50 tour, Rob.
1: Man, imagine PA, couch, you know, like guys like that getting Barnes, back
2: in. Yeah, yeah, listen, I, I love the PBA 50. You know, when it's on flow, I watch all the time. I mean, those are some great step ladders. Like, over the last few years, you've had stepladders with Weber, Voss, Duke, Walter Ray. I mean, you know, these are like the titans of the game to me. So, yeah, when I hear that there's a possibility that somebody like him might, might make an appearance out there, I, I – you know, all the better, all the better. Can't wait to see it. You know, would love to to be able to watch it. Wish him luck. Hope he makes finals, and and hope he puts on some uh, some of the performances like like he used to back uh, back in his prime.
1: Yeah, for sure. I think the PBA fifty would be is going to be uh, you know hundreds of times better with PA out there and uh, definitely uh, on the shows and on the the streamings and just you know keeping it real and, and representing New York, Mike. You know he, he's always yeah. Well, Rob,
2: you know. Listen, the next thing I was going to say is, damn, Rob. If anything, that interview showed people like you—you you had clout, dog. My man, Rob, his name rang out in the in the northeast bowling area. Seventeen years old, making his name ring out. Get ahead, <laughs> son. You feel like people don't know? I know, I know already. But you know, if you're a listener to the show, I mean, clearly, my man had had respect, put some respect on his name back in the day. I think honestly, Rob, a lot of us were like that coming out of the JBTs. Would you Would you agree with that? Like, you know, people because we threw it well. It, whenever we went somewhere to bowl, people would always kind of be like, "Oh, who, you know, who who is that? Who's that group of young young guys?"
1: Mike, I really wish I had the mindset today that I had when I was seventeen. I, I wish I could go back in time and start being the way I was there now. Mike, we had no fear. I had no fear of anything back then. I would have bowled anybody, anytime, anywhere. And if I had the money or if I could find the money, I would have done it. And not care, I would have went to the Bronx. I would have went to New Jersey, PA. I mean, you, I mean fair to say, Mike, like guys like me, you, Bill, Fagan, you know, Tommy Haig, Ryan Snyder, Alex Cavagnaro. I mean, these. we didn't have no fear of bowling anybody. We could have bowled anybody. And no, they would put us on the lanes, you know? And now it's like, you just, man, you just, I don't know what happens, but as you get older, you start getting just, you you get more worried and you just kind of lose it a little bit. So Mike, I just love re- reliving those stories and reliving those days because those were some of the best days and the best like bowling times of my life personally, honestly.
2: Yeah. Yeah. no, it was, uh, it was interesting to hear. So, all right, Rob, we're going to wrap it up and uh, keep it moving for the people here. All right, Rob. So how we want to wrap it up for the people here. You got any final thoughts? I mean, obviously we want to tell everybody stay in, stay safe, right? Stay healthy.
1: Yeah. You know, just one of those uh, where the next few months obviously suck, right? And um, But everybody's got to think the bigger picture, Mike. And, and it's you don't want to, you know, go out too early and, and socialize too early. Just do your part. Stay home stay with your family and then let's everyone ride this out together and then we'll be back to normal hopefully uh you know i'm hoping by the end of the summer man i don't know but we'll just wait and see and uh you know we have a beautiful thing called the internet mike but there's a lot of beautiful bowling to watch so uh you know if you guys uh are hankering for some bowling you know put on some of these shows that we went through earlier and, uh, you know, watch some of these old bowling clips, man. They're great to watch, and uh, it keeps your uh, fire alive uh, for the sport.
2: Yeah, very true. Well said, Rob. Uh, I hope people enjoyed the interview. I uh, hope people enjoyed the the guest tonight. Thought it was a great interview, like I said. And, uh, yeah, just everybody uh, stay safe, stay healthy. Hit us up. Uh, at sweep the rack on all platforms, right, Rob? Uh, Gmail at sweep the rack at Gmail. Uh, Twitter, Facebook, YouTube. Follow our YouTube. We're putting some clips up there, etc. So uh, make sure you stay up on that. Hit us up on there. And uh, yeah, listen, everybody, be good, man. We'll be back, Rob. We'll continue to uh, put the content out for the people here.
1: Yes, sir. All right, everyone. Talk to you later. Be safe. <laughs> You are now listening to Sweep the Rack Podcast featuring Brooklyn Rob and Big Mike.